You are listening to a message from Life City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at lifecitychurchhouston.org. And now with you, today's message. So, uh, you know, you want to get here early, it'll be bilingual. And so we'll have one service, and after that, we want you to be able to go and enjoy uh, some time with, with your dad and um, be together with family, okay? I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to be reading from verse 8 to 12. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and uh, 2 Samuel is after 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8 to 12, and it says, These are the names of the mighty men who David had. Josheb, Bashebeth, the Tachmonite, chief of the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men of David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered for battle. And the men of Israel retreated, had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was very or was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. I would like to speak for a few moments using as a subject, don't let go of the sword. Don't let go of the sword. In this particular passage that, that we read, uh, it lists the mighty men that were the most distinguished and heroic champions of David's army. Um, in this list, it's reduced to three. And the three were called David's mighty men. The exploits or the heroic deeds and actions of David's mighty men, they illustrate the victories that God has ordained for us today. That if we can go all out and be daring and trust God, that God will give us the same victories that these three men obtained by doing what they did, trusting God. We learn from these men that when you trust God and you act in faith, even when the odds are against you, we learn that if God is for us, who, who can be against us? And, 
and we learned from 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 these men that 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 yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us we learn from these men that our weapons and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but that they're mighty through God and the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We learn from these mighty men that whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Now, there's one thing that you need to understand is that, that, that the, the names in Scripture, the names in Scripture don't just serve as a means to, to identify ourselves or identity. The names in the Bible, they contain spiritual truths. And so, it's, so is it with, with these three names of these three men that are called David's mighty, mighty men. The, the first one is Adino. Adino was known for his exploit that he killed 800 men at one time. And God put upon him generously and, 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 and in, a, a splendid, in a splendid way. He put upon him the ability to fight in battle. And to totally destroy the enemy. Adino means this. His adorned one. Or he who has been adorned. In other words, God is a God that wants to adorn us. He wants to adorn us as, as you uh, adorn your house during Christmas or if you believe in adorning your Christmas tree and you put everything, you, you adorn it. It calls attention. Adino's name means adorned. God is wanting to adorn you with, with his blessings and God is wanting to adorn you with victories. He, he, he wants to adorn you with blessings. He blesses us in the city, the Bible says. He blesses us in the field. He blesses us as we come. He blesses us as we go. God is a God that wants to adorn your life with victories in the season that you're living and in the battles that you're facing right now. But then there's also another guy whose name is Shama. And, and Shama had been empowered by God to, to prevent the enemy from stealing his harvest. And you've got to understand that you've sown enough. You've given, you've prayed, and you've believed. You cannot allow the enemy just to come now and take the harvest from all the sowing and the praying and the, the, the tears that you, you, you watered your, your seed with and just let the enemy come and take it. Shammah says that's not going to happen. And the Bible says that the, the harvest was ready. It was a harvest of lentils. And, and he said, I'm not going to let you take it. And everybody leaves except for Shammah. And Shammah defends the field of his harvest. Shammah's name means amazement. It means to make or leave desolate. In other words, it means and it refers to God doing the unexpected. Here's a guy that's going to face a whole army of Philistines just to defend what he has sown in. And now his harvest has come and you think you're going to take it? No one would think that he would survive that. 
But his name means amazement. In other words, he's a God that wants to amaze your enemies. He's a God that wants to amaze you. And it means to make or leave desolate. He wants your enemies to be left desolate. He wants your enemies to see that you serve a mighty God. And he wants to astonish you and amaze you by what he's going to do. And you need to tell somebody today that God is about to show up and do something amazing in your life. Amazing in that situation. Amazing in your children. Amazing in your spouse. God is going to show up and do something amazing in your life and in your finances, even in your health. But then there's also the third character and person that is mentioned in these three mighty men of David. His name is Eleazar. And, and he, he's known for fighting to the point that his hand stayed stuck to the sword. Eleazar means God has helped. God is my helper or the help that comes from the Lord. If we're honest, for real, for real, we must understand that we can do nothing without God. That we need God's help. We need God's help to have a healthy marriage. We need God's help to live our life. We need God's help even to administer our finances. We need God's help to, to raise our children. We need God's help. And we cannot do anything without God's help. And here you have these three guys. You have one who is God's adorned. You have the other one that is who is God that amazes. And you have another one that God who, who helps. And you get these three together and you form an unbeatable team. Because these three, the Bible says that when they acted together in unity, they were able to accomplish great victories. If you read the rest of the verses that we started reading, you'll find out that David the king was desiring to drink from a well that was in Bethlehem. But Bethlehem was being occupied by the enemy. And when these three guys heard what their king wanted, they said, we can do this. And they broke through enemy lines. They go to the well. They bring water and come back and they give it to their king. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying that if you could get these three together, these three together can break the enemy lines. These three together were never defeated. These three together always obtained the victory. These three together never failed to amaze and impress the enemy on how God could use them to obtain the victory even when the odds were against them. I believe that all of us need an Adino in our lives. I believe that all of us need a shama in our lives. I believe we all need to be adorned by God's favor and by God's grace and that we all, like shama, need to be amazed and allow God to amaze us. But I believe we also need an Elazar in our life where we understand that we know that God is our helper. When you have these three together, there's no power of the enemy that can hold you back there's no power, no Philistine army that we cannot break through and cross and get the plunder and get back what the enemy has stolen from us. We can do what they did if we can have the same spirit and faith that these three guys had. Now, out of the three guys, I believe, and not because he has my name, but I think Elzar stands out from these three guys, from Adino and Shama. Because 
he needed to fight, listen to me closely, in territories where other battles had been fought before. There are some battles that you fight and it's over. There are some battles that you engage in and it's done. But there are some battles that must be fought over and over again. There are some battles that you need help with. Now, you've got to understand that according to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp in Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but Ephes Damim means the boundary or limit of blood. It is the exact place where David confronted Goliath in the valley of Elah. Ephes Damim was the border. It was the border that divided uh, the Philistines' territory and the people of God, Israel's territory. It was the border. It, it was the place where many battles in the past had, had been fought there, but it was imperative that the enemy stopped and detain the enemy from crossing the border. The integrity of the border, the limits of the border needed to be defended. The border needed to be preserved. The, 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 the border represented the, that if the enemy crossed the border, the whole nation would be invaded and, and the whole nation would be destroyed. This isn't closely. That it was better to keep the enemy out than to allow the enemy to come in and then try to drive them out. In other words, prevention was better than expulsion. Hello. Prevention was better than expulsion. And we have to come to the point and understand that sometimes we've got to go and fight battles that others have fought before. Maybe you need to go and help somebody fight the battle. They're battling with mental issues. They're fighting with emotional issues. They're fighting physical issues. The enemy has crossed and wants to cross the borders. And somebody needs to stand up and fight the fight of faith. And understand that we have the power of God to prevent the enemy to come in. And that we can keep him out. The problem is that we have moved the borders. We have moved the demarcations. And we've allowed the enemy to have more space than what he deserves. The, the, the word Ephes uh, uh, um, Demim means the boundary or limit of blood. In other words, we've got to be willing to die for our convictions. What, what Elazar was saying is, I will fight here in the border. 
I have convictions and I have the line drawn and I will not allow the enemy to come in beyond this line. If I have to defend it, if I have to bleed, if I have to die here, if I have to give my life for it, I'm going to do it but I'm going to draw the line and not allow the enemy to come in. And many of us need to redraw that line and let the enemy say, no, we're not going to let you come in. We're not going to let you cross this line. There's nothing I can do about my past. There's nothing I can do about tomorrow. But I refuse to give up today and I refuse to give you tomorrow. I will draw the line and you will have to stop here and no more. How many of us have drawn those lines in our lives? How many of us have really drawn the lines of the battles that we have to face and we're going to confront? What lines have we drawn with ourselves? I will not cross this line and I will not allow the enemy to cross this line as well. You see, we need to put on the full armor of God and we need to learn to take the sword in our hands and fight this good fight of faith. You see, we've got to stand up and let the enemy know that this is as far as he's able to come. Have you drawn that line? Have you taken out your sword? But Eleazar's name, like I said, means God has helped. God is my helper. The help comes from the Lord. And the Bible says that his hand stuck to the sword. The Bible says his hand stuck to the sword. And that God gave him a great victory. There's no doubt that there was something supernatural that came upon the sword and that came upon Eleazar. That when all his strength was gone, that when all his abilities sapped up and drained. Something supernatural came upon him when all his energy and resources were gone that the power of God came upon Eleazar's hand and made him use the sword. And made him stay stuck to the sword. I will not let go of the sword. I will not let go of it because God has given it to me to defeat and destroy the enemy. The Bible tells us that the word of God, according to Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God, according to Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than two, any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is an unbeatable weapon that conquers everything if we could just take a hold of it. The power of God's word. God said, let there be. And when he spoke it, you read it and it says, and it was. The power of God's word. The word of God is an unbeatable weapon. I said the word of God is an unbeatable weapon. 
that conquers all. The Word of God is the sword. The Apostle John saw how Jesus defeated the evil forces and he reveals it in Revelations 19.15. He says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. You see, we can turn the tide. We can turn the situation around if we could just get hold of the sword of the Lord. If we could just get a hold of the Word of God. And the the sword, listen to me closely, the sword has occupied a prominent place in history. The sword is an exclusive weapon that projects a message of power. The sword in the old days represented something when they saw the sword. The power of the sword, though, was determined, listen closely, by the status or the position of its owner. The power of the sword was determined by the status or the position of its owner. Whether it belonged to an emperor, whether it belonged to a warrior, whether it belonged to a king, or whether it belonged to a powerful conqueror, the generals and the conquerors and the kings and the warriors and the notable emperors, listen closely, of the past, possessed their personal sword. And they were so dependent on their sword that they gave their sword a personal name. But the swords of the great rulers... The swords of the great warriors of the past are kept now in a museum. The swords of great emperors and powerful conquerors are now kept in a museum because all of their owners are dead and all of their power is gone. But there is a sword I said there is a sword whose owner defeated, whose owner defeated death, whose owner defeated hell, whose owner defeated the grave, and he still lives forevermore. And his sword cannot be locked up in a museum because it is as powerful as it was back then. It's as powerful today as has ever been. And the swords of these earthly dead uh, uh, kings have been reduced only for ceremonial use, but not the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord is powerful. This was the word, the sword that was first in the hands of the cherubim back in Genesis the Bible tells us in Genesis 3:24 that he drove the man out and he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life that's the first time you hear of the sword but not only that the sword of the Lord was in the desert it was in the desert with Moses when Moses was in the desert and had to deal with Pharaoh and had to deal with his armies, the Bible says that also the sword of the Lord was with Moses. Moses puts it this way in Deuteronomy 33, verse 29. He says, Happy art thou, O Israel, 
Who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord? The shield of thy help. The shield of thy help. And then it says, and who is the sword of thy excellency? He's saying, God is your sword. God is your shield. He is your sword of your excellency. And thine enemy shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. It's interesting what he's saying. He's saying, God has given you a sword. His sword is the Lord. Your sword is the Lord. And he says this, not only is it the sword of thy excellency, he says, but with that sword, your enemies will be found liars before you. And when I read that and I put it together, I came out to this conclusion. I came out that, that Moses is saying that the Lord has given you a sword and that the Lord himself is your sword. It's the word of his mouth. It, it is also the sword of the spirit. It is the sword of victory. It is the sword of his excellency. And when you have the word of God with you, your enemies will be found liars before you. What are you saying, pastor? Your enemies will always tell you that you're not going to make it. Your enemies are going to tell you that you're going to be defeated. Your enemies are going to tell you that you're going to lose your job and you will not make it financially this week. Your enemy is going to tell you that your children are going to be lost and will never be saved. Your enemy is going to tell you that your marriage is going to fall apart and fall in ruins. The enemy is going to tell you that your ministry is going to get washed up. The enemy is going to tell you that it's never going to happen. That's what the enemy tells you. But when you get to the word of God, the word of God will come and call your enemies liars why because when the enemy says oh you can't make it the spirit of the lord the word of god says i can do all things to christ jesus that strengthens me when the enemy tells you there's no way that it's going to happen you're sick and you're going to die the spirit of the lord will say you are a liar for by his stripes i am healed when the enemy tells you that you're going to be without money and without a job and out in the streets the word of the lord will find the enemy a liar because you can say according to his word he says my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory when the enemy tells you you're going to die from that sickness the word of the Lord will prove him a liar because by his stripes we are healed when the enemy comes and attacks your family and says I will destroy him the word of God will find him a liar for his word says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper The only way you can find your enemy a liar is that you have the word and you have the sword. If you don't have the word and you don't have a sword, you don't have the weapon to fight off the enemy. If you don't have the word, which is the sword of the spirit, then you'll always believe the lie of the enemy. But when you put the sword to work, it will fight for you. It will win your battles. It will destroy your enemies. It will make a way where there is no way. It would give you not a break, but give you the complete breakthrough. When you put God's word into action and you become not only a hearer of God's word, but a doer of God's word, your faith arises. When you put God's word into action, the Bible says that he sees over his word and he watches it to perform it. I wish there was somebody here that understood that if I just declare his word, the Bible says, 
says the heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. That there was somebody here that would believe that even though uh, 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 the enemy comes to me with all his lies and with all the things that he would throw at me, as long as I have the word of God, his promises are yes and amen. But I've got to have the word in my mouth and I've got to have his word in my hand. He watches his word to perform it. And the Bible says that his word will not come back void, but it will do all that it was accomplished to do. My question to you is, where is your sword? Seems to me that every time things get bad, we, we, we take out the sword. We take out the sword and fight the enemy. And once we win the battle, like, like we put the sword back, back up. I'm okay. I'm done. The battle's won. Like if the enemy's going to say, oh, he beat me. I can't go. The enemy has his eye on you. And when you leave your sword, he says, this is our chance to get him. This is our chance to move in. He doesn't have his sword in his hand. We can come in and convince him otherwise. He doesn't have his sword in his hand. And it's only the sword, the word of God that prevails. God is not obligated to fulfill or to back up your own words. God is obligated to fulfill his word. And when we don't practice his word and when we don't live out his word, God has no obligations to bless that. He is only obligated to fulfill and back up his word. So every time you lay the sword down, every time you lay the word aside, every time you ignore the word, the enemy comes in. And it's like moving the boundary lines. And now he came in a little bit further because nobody was at the boundaries. Nobody was at, 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 the, at the gateway with the sword in his hand to say, you can't. I still got the sword. The battle is won, but I still got the word to make sure that I don't have to fight that battle again. Hello, somebody. Aren't you tired of fighting the same battle? Aren't you tired that you don't see a breakthrough? Aren't you tired of wasting your energy on this and prayers on the same thing over and over again? Don't you want to win that? You've been dealing with that for, for six months, for a year. You've been dealing with it for five years. Aren't you tired of fighting the same battle? And you can't win it? But we have the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. And we can win the battle because there are going to be other battles. And every time you win one battle, it should give you the faith and the tenacity that the next battle is not going to be any harder because I've already gone through one and the same word that delivered me and the same word that worked for me in that one will be the same word that's going to work for me even on this one and even when I win this battle I want the enemy to know I still have my sword I have it drawn out I will not put it down I'll carry it with me because I'm going to be ready at any time that the enemy would want to attack me if the enemy sees you with the sword there are more chances that he may back off and not attack you as if he does doesn't see the sword and he comes with you and to you with all his force. Adino was adorned 
Shama means amazement. But Elazar meant the Lord is my help. And the problem is that sometimes we don't want to go back and fight in territories that have been fought before. And sometimes you need to help that individual and help that couple and help that brother or that sister to fight in that territory where other battles have been fought. Where is your sword? Who is your Adino? And who is your Shama? And who is your Elazar? The Lord has promised to help. The Lord has promised to be with us. And we must understand that there is a responsibility that falls on us to take the sword of the Spirit. There's a responsibility of us to use the sword of the Spirit daily. I want to speak next week on not only the sword, but how your praise is connected to that sword. That before you use your sword, you better know what's in your mouth. That before you know and want to use your sword, you better know what's in your mouth. And then I'm also going to talk about how God sharpens his sword. Because when God sharpens his sword, it's not because his sword has become dull. It's because he's about to do something beyond and something extraordinary and something that is not in the common. And so God sharpens his sword to let his people know, I'm about to do something that you have not seen. But also God sharpens his sword because there comes a moment in time where God says, I'm done. I'm tired. And he executes his sword. My question to you this morning is, have you forgotten your sword? What are you doing to keep your sword sharpened? What will it take for you to be able to use your sword on a daily basis? Your enemies are out there every day. And the borders, just like Israel today, there has not been one time in Israel's history where he has not been surrounded by enemies. And as long as we live in this body and we live in this earth, there's not going to be one moment that you and I are not going to be surrounded by battles and enemies ourselves. And we need the sword of the Spirit. We need the sword that penetrates and goes beyond just the superficial. But if I can get it inside, it will change you. It will change me. It will change my circumstance. It will change my behavior. It will change my life. It will change my way of thinking. It will change my concepts if I can just get the word of God in me. The Bible says that Elazar stuck to the sword just like I'm sticking to my sermon with those distractions of those lights. He's stuck to the sword. When adversity and trials come, what are you stuck to? 
when you go through situations in life, what are you stuck to? Are you stuck to your own philosophies? Are you stuck to your own doings? Are you stuck to your own uh, uh, train of thought? Or are you stuck to the word and you're holding on to it? He didn't let go. The enemy came and he didn't let go. He said, I'd rather die with the sword in my hand and believing in my convictions of the word of God than to let the sword go. And many times we are tempted to let go of the sword. Many times we are tempted to let go of our convictions of the word of God. But he, Elazar, stuck to it. And he says, I will die in the limits of blood. If I have to die, I'll die believing that God could heal me. I'll die believing that God could have done the miracle. I'll die believing that God could have set him free. I'll die believing with my convictions in the word of God. My question to you is this, what are you holding on to? What are you grabbing on to? in your times of battle, in your times of need, in your times of frustrations, in your time of sickness, in your time that you feel like going into depression, what are you holding on to? Because if you're holding on to the word, you can keep on going on. If you're holding on to his word, you know you're going to get that breakthrough. If you keep holding on to his word, you're going to see and you're going to be able to penetrate the enemy's lines and get back what the enemy has taken from you. But you've got to have the sword in your hand and not let go. Oh, I've been tempted many times, trust me, to let go. I may be the pastor, but I'm as human as you are. And I deal with issues like you do, maybe differently, but they're issues. And sometimes I feel like, man, maybe if I can put my own hand into it, then what if I drop the sword and, and just use my, my, my camping knife? The temptation is there. But even Jesus taught us how to use it. It is written. And when the enemy came to tempt him, he didn't let go of the sword. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Hold on to the sword. It is written that you and your whole household shall be saved. Hold on to the sword. Don't let go. Even though the present circumstance, even if you're coming to church by yourself, even if you wish your children, just keep holding on because God is faithful to his word. Let the enemy know that you are at the border. Let the enemy know, I know other battles have been fought here, but I'm here to fight if I have to again. I know, and it's not only that, it's, it's interesting to be able to say and tell the enemy the following and say, yes, other battles have been fought here and the battles have been won. Right here where I'm standing, Elzar could have said, he could have said, hey, it was right here where David, a little boy, the underdog, came against you, the enemy, your big giant and your big, big, big boy from your camp. But it was in the same place where the battle was fought and it was right here where David, David killed the Goliath and the giant and it was right here where David took the sword and cut his head off and if that happened here I've come to say I'm the next generation that whatever giant comes to this place I have a sword to do the same thing to defend it to kill the enemy and let the enemy know this place is going to be a place of victory for me and for those who come that have their sword. 
It's not going to be by your knowledge. It's going to be by what you read. And it's not going to be what you looked up in Google. It's not going to be what you picked up in social media. It's by the word of the Lord. And my encouragement to you, I'm trying to help somebody here. Don't let go of the sword. Don't let go of the word. Hold on to it. If it's the last thing you have to hold on to. And the Bible says, not only did he, his hand stayed stuck to the sword, but it says, and the Lord brought him a great victory. One of the things that I read in that scripture, and I'm about to close, is this. God gives Elzar a, script, a, a, a victory, and then the other dudes show up just to get the spoils. In other words, just to get the plunder. After Elzar did all the work and killed the enemy, now all the guys come back and start stripping away from the enemy all the gold and everything that they have, and they took the spoils. Sometimes the benefit and the blessing for somebody else is dependent on that you don't let go of the word. And God will bring you a great victory. And you'll be a blessing to those that are connected to you. And sometimes we only see the present without understanding that what God does in my life here can have an effect on my family and my friends and my loved ones. They did not have the strength, are you listening, to stand and fight off the enemy. Fear gripped them and they felt that they would be useless. What if Elazar would have let go of the sword? What if Elazar would have let go of the word and the promises of God? Many of his fellow men and friends would have never been able to enjoy the blessings of the victory of God. And God wants to bring you a victory to bless others. God wants to give you the victory to encourage others. God wants to give you the victory so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants to use you as an object of his love and an object of his power. But he says, I cannot fulfill it and I cannot do it unless you're holding on to my word and to the sword. Because I am obligated to fulfill everything that I have said and put in the word. Would you stand to your feet right now? Don't let go. And when you feel tired, ask the Holy Spirit. Elzar's name was the help that comes from the Lord. Say, God, I need your help. I don't know if I can swing the sword anymore. My hand is tired. I've been fighting this. And the Bible says that the Lord came and gave him a great victory. God can give you a great victory over any circumstance of your life. I don't care how bad it looks. And it's easier said than done. I know that. We face situations that look terrible. But if we hold on to the sword, the word of God will make things right. The word of God will turn things around. We can turn the tide on this baby if I have the word of the Lord with me. So this is what I want to do as... The worship team comes up and leads us in a course. I want you to come to this altar. 
And if we can form one or two lines, I want to pass this sword. And I want you to grab it. And this is what I want you to say. I apply the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. I apply the sword to my husband. I applied the sword of the spirit to my finances. I, I apply it. And you know, it may be your body that's sick. I apply the word of the Lord to my body. Whatever it is, I want you to come in faith as an act of faith saying, I am going to go ahead and I'm going to apply, hold on to the word and I'm going to apply it to the battle that I'm facing. And then after that, I want this week for you to look in the Bible for a verse or verses that go with the situation that you're dealing with. And you apply it this week. And you let the enemy know, I got my sword out. And I've drawn the line. You can't cross the line where the word of God is. I've marked it very well. And you can come up to here. But don't you dare cross that line. I have the sword of the spirit. I have the sword of the spirit. And I want you to trust God that his word will prevail in your situation. That you trust God that he's going to be faithful. You trust God. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring wholeness. He's going to be restoration. He's going to change the relationships that have been severed by situations. Remember, they all left, but Elazar stood stuck to the sword. And God gave him a great victory. God's going to give you a great victory for your faithfulness on holding on to his word. And then it says that they returned to him only for the spoils. They were blessed because somebody stayed stuck to the word. And you're that individual that needs to stay stuck to the word. You're that individual right now that God is saying, if you can just hold on to the sword, I'll do the rest. I know you're weary. I know you're tired. I know you've been battling. I know you've sweated it out. I know you become weak. But just like I did with Elazar, I will bring a supernatural power over you and make you cleave, stay stuck to the word, to my promise. Don't let it go. My word is faithful. My word is true. As they sing the song, I'm going to give this to Chichin. And I, I want Chichin just to, to begin from one end this way. And, and I want you to apply it to that situation in your life. And then just thank God. And your job is, like I said, you hold it and say, I apply this sword to whatever it is. To my finances, to my children to my marriage, to my husband, to my wife, whatever it is, to my job that's going crazy, whatever it is, I want you to just say, I apply the sword to and apply that need or needs that you have as they sing this course with them.